welcome to the first episode of Live Ball, the tennis podcast with uh, tennis players talking about tennis. I'm Seth Arthur, here with Nikita Artev, and... I like how you say that. I know, it sounds Russian. Oh, wait, you are Russian. Oh, weird. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, like I said, we're going to do a little bit of a background about who we are, so you know you're not just listening to some strangers, but like we talked about before, if you are listening, you're probably related to us or a very close <laughs> friend. <laughs> so, yep. but at the off chance that somebody decides to listen to this who doesn't know us... Well, some people probably know you, but then they don't know me, right? Sure, and vice versa. That's most... Well, I doubt it. But. <laughs> yeah, I'm so famous in that. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm Seth Arthur. Um, played high school tennis for four years. Played college tennis. Um, junior competitive tennis when I was younger as well. And then actually coached high school tennis for a couple years. State champion. I was crazily lucky enough to be part of a state championship team. That was pretty crazy. Um, and so tennis has been a huge part of my life. And I know it's true for you for sure as well. Yeah, I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, same as same as Seth. We we grew up playing against each other and playing with each other. We were fortunate to be on the uh, what is it a USTA travel team? Junior, yeah, I think it was team travel, tennis or whatever. Team tennis. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of when we became pretty pretty good friends. Yeah. And, um, you know, same same as me. Uh, we took very similar paths. We, I went, you know, high school tennis to college tennis, small college tennis, and. Um, yeah, and I mean, I got to play, I was fortunate to play some league tennis. Um, yeah, recently. Four or five, um, third place in nationals in Arizona Yeah, a couple of years ago, 2019. I played singles and kicked everyone's ass. It was really cool. <laughs> if you humbly say so yourself. No, I'm, I'm yeah, no, it, it's, it's four or five, so it's not like I'm crushing, you know. <laughs> That's still good tennis, though. Yeah, it's pretty good, you know. I think I played a guy who was like, Oh, I just started playing tennis like three years ago, and he's like, you know, he's pretty good. It's wild. Playing four or five tennis, but that's smoked, wild. Smoked him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can talk a little bit too about why we decided to do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so basically, I think like any any podcast, any any uh, beginning, we we have a lot of conversations and we get drunk, and then we say. <laughs> um, we should record this. People want to hear about yeah, this. We're so funny. <laughs> we're so funny and interesting. <laughs> even though this is like probably the thirteen thousandth podcast about today. tennis today. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you know, um, I feel like we have a little bit of a different perspective than maybe some of the other podcasts out there because we aren't. We are not professional tennis players. We're not close to being professional. <laughs> I hate to admit players. it, but that is true. It really hurts me to say that. Yeah, I mean, my dreams have just become shattered because know, of right? it. Um, and we're not journalists either, so we don't have like that journalistic instinct. We're we're literally just tennis junkies who like to talk about it, tennis. Exactly, just as the poster says that yeah. Seth created and was was so wonderful. I know. I'm happy. Um, I'm proud of myself. Yeah. So so we. I mean, every time we would have a conversation, it always seemed to revert back to tennis somehow, and we'd start either reminiscing about. Um, our tennis days or, or something stories and yeah, something ridiculous or, I mean, there's always something going on with tennis as well. Um, and we figured, you know, we always have something fun to talk about and yeah. And we've been around, you know, we've been around tennis people our, our entire lives and tennis people always talk about tennis and it's like this weird 
club that whenever you saw a former tennis player that you played mm-hmm. against in juniors or a former coach or a college, I mean, there's something unique about talking to tennis people. It's such a, it's a specific type of person and it's a, it's yeah. always a, you know, it, I don't know, it's just different. And, and that's, I think, part of the podcast too, was the idea that we kind of wanted to relate the tennis culture to real life right. and how tennis players behave on the tennis court oftentimes reflects how they behave in real life yeah no kidding (laughs) that's why there's a lot of uh tennis player lawyers probably out there like us Um, (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah we are both uh certified state bar attorneys as well so So we're both certified attorneys but we forgot to add you're also a certified teaching pro also um right i think it, it well yeah i passed the uspta uh exam but i think i let it lapse oh really do you have to renew that so often i didn't yeah, know that well oh. you have to pay a okay. fee every um and then they also told me i needed like education credits this time so oh, okay. i was like yeah no thanks sorry i'm not good. using it that much anymore right and, right um, but we both have given a thousand tennis lessons to yeah, the people you exactly we so we've made our money um that way as well teaching tennis lessons and like it you know like seth said earlier he got the fortunate um opportunity to coach high school tennis right um which he can definitely talk about <laughs> yeah that's at always some point such a unique experience i mean we both um, played it but to coach it yeah weird yeah yeah so uh let's start out with a clip here let's see if we can get this going Oh my gosh. Yeah. So obviously this is a podcast and um, we're going to try and I think at some point get video yeah. going. Um, just right now it's uh, we're just still figuring things out. But anyway, the video is of a player named uh, Maxime Cressy who's playing, I believe, Tim, Tim Smichek, who um, this is a challenger level tournament. So professional tennis, but just kind of the minor leagues. Um, and Maxime Cressy is a very loud tennis player. I know I know we had talked about him a little bit before, but you had mentioned you'd never heard of him or anything like that. I had that. not, though, which kind of surprised me. Well, I mean, he's pretty low-ranked. Right, so he's, it's a challenger I, event. So. I think he played the, uh, he qualified for the U.S. Open last year, hmm. and I think he got, like, Dimitrov in the first round or something oh, okay. like that, so he didn't do great. Um, but Maxime Cressy's a... Uh, very loud, and he's kind of a YouTube uh, sensation for that because he's very loud and annoying. Right. <laughs> and he, as you heard there, gets his opponent very mad. And uh, his opponent, Tim Smichek, he um, yells for him to shut up after he says, come on, very yeah. loudly. And then he kind of maybe starts going a little bit of in a xenophobic uh, yeah. <laughs> direction there, right. go back to <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, but... You know, uh, that this is, I think, a perfect in- intro into maybe perhaps uh, why we think tennis is so unique and so I- interesting from other sports in that I think I described it as like you have the mindset of a boxer, a fighter, something like that. But mm-hmm. then the person themselves are not going to actually get in a physical no. altercation with anybody. Tennis players are completely wimps. Yes. In every regard. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, how many videos have you seen? I think of uh, players screaming. Oh yeah, 
over it's, it's like the, the the two you know dogs on a leash you know and they're like <laughs> yelling at each other but then, like, analogy. but then the the tether gets released and they they don't do anything they don't do anything right so, yeah because it's like yeah yeah i mean i remember i remember playing tennis matches in college where we're just jawing at each other on changeovers mm-hmm. probably because we knew nothing was going to happen right we oh, know 100%. neither of us are going to do anything i mean we're playing tennis right 100 um now would i make those same remarks if i was on the football field no <laughs> i'd get my head smashed because he's gonna lay you he's out. gonna actually hurt yeah. you so yeah that's what that is so unique about tennis players it's just like i told you before we tend to be so thin-skinned and you know there's it, I, I i'm sure there is another sport but i can't think of one off the top of my head where you are literally a winner or loser every single point of every single game of every set of every match. I mean, mm-hmm. moment by moment, you are winning or losing. And mm-hmm. yeah, that creates the reaction you get there. I mean, and don't get me wrong. We've all played against, you know, obnoxious grunters too. I I don't remember. You don't really grunt. I don't, right? I, I mean, I do like the, the exhale, I think, right. the loud exhale. Right. But not, I mean. There's some, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, some ridiculous geez. grunting. I mean, Sharapova, we all know, was right. ridiculous. Um and I don't know. I you'd like to think you were mentally strong enough to not hear it and you know bear through it, but having having played against people like that, it is unbelievably frustrating. Right. It really is. Well, now having having basically said that the entire tennis population is a bunch of wimps and will never fight anybody, mm-hmm. I think there are some players out there on the ATP or WTA um, level who I would not. I, I think they would fight me. Exactly. I, I think I think they would actually do it. Hurt you if they yeah, could. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, I, agree I think they would, and they could, <laughs> and <laughs> they right. and they want to. Right. You know, if right. if you did something like that to them, where you know you're being obnoxious on the court, or right. You know, I guess on the junior level, if you're you're hooking them and mm-hmm. cheating them and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, who do you think would be one of those players? Like I said, you know. It, not super relevant anymore, but I mean, anybody that's followed tennis, you know, the name Marat Safin comes to mind. Mm. Uh, unhinged and a big guy, temper. Um, he always scared well, the crap out of me. Well, and then you hear stories about him actually yeah, fighting people, I think. Yeah. Right? But there's also that. <laughs> there's also that, too. I'm pretty sure there were multiple occasions where it'd be like, Marat Safin has a black eye. and Right. You know. He showed up to one. I think it was like the Miami Masters or something. He would he would always show up with like some sort of from fight, some drunken bar yeah. <laughs> fight from the night before. Right. I mean, who would you say? Um. Yeah. I think I don't know. My my initial thought is is Nick Kyrgios, uh, because he just straight up looks like an MMA fighter. Yeah, he does. But, um, with the haircut and the tattoos and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think he would fight. Yeah. He's certainly got a lot of bark. I don't know how much bite he has, but he certainly, yeah. and he, like you said, he loves to talk trash. He's the best trash talker yeah. ever. He really is. We, I mean, we can talk about him on a different episode, but mm-hmm. I think I think he is the most entertaining player to watch on tour right now. For sure. Men or women. Um, I get excited when he's playing. It's kind of a shame he's taking some time off right now. I love watching the guy. Yeah. Mostly because of I just want to see what he's going to do because mm-hmm. he can either show up and be like, I'm just going to beat Novak Djokovic or Nadal. Right. Um, or he can just be like, well, I just I just want to go home and lose 6-1-6-0. But in the process, he will make it very entertaining. <laughs> he really is so. the perfect storm of raw talent and sheer entertainment. Yeah. You know, which Nick are you going to get that day? You never know. Right. But he's pulling shots out that no one's ever seen. And 
just like I said, he oozes of talent. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. But that being said, um, I think an actual fighter, someone who would actually fight. I, I don't know why, but Fabio Fagnini scares yeah. me. I think he would fight. He's scrappy. He's. A, he, I think he would actually throw throw some punches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Benoit Pair is someone who actually comes to mind. Hmm, interesting. Who I think would fight. Because I think he's kind of a modern-day Marat Safin, just okay. maybe a little less talented. Right. Um, but he's kind of a guy who uh, you you hear stories about how he likes to kind of go out and, you know, trouble finds him somehow. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I wouldn't I, – I feel like if I ran by it. There's some WTA players out there, too. I don't know. The, the, for sure you that um sakari and sabalenka i think are two ladies who very very strong and, and powerful and um i don't i don't think i've ever seen them freak out but yeah that that almost makes me think that they would actually back it up and fight you well know? one that comes to mind to me not because she's mean-spirited or angry or whatever, but just the sheer physique of her is Sam Stozer. Her oh, bicep yeah. is the size of Texas. She's I mean, she's so fit. She's so fit. And I'm like, she would just, you know, twist me into a pretzel. I don't know. I mean, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's funny. Sam Stozer. I mean, where's she at? I don't even know where she's at in the rankings. I think anymore. she retired. Did she actually retire? I didn't I, even know I that. I think she's done. Uh, okay. She might still play doubles. Right. Um, but you know, even though also even though this is a tennis podcast, we don't have super crazy knowledge about tennis. Like we said, we're we're fans, but yeah. I don't think we're like encyclopedias or anything about tennis. No. And we have the internet in front of us, so right. um, I That's guess true. we could look up stuff. We could. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably you know, and I had said this before too. I we can't really have our first episode without talking about. Um, I think number one, millennial tennis players in general. But you know what goes along with that so perfectly is, of course, the uh, Naomi Osaki issue. Osaki. I just said Osaki. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Osaka. Cut it. Cut it. <laughs> this is getting deleted. No. Um, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, but yeah, we can't. I don't have that capability. <laughs> we can't talk. We can't. We can't have a podcast about tennis and not talk about the name Naomi. Osaka scandal at the Roland Garros. If you even want to call it a it's scandal, not a scandal. It's that's probably giving it too much power. I think it's just more of a uh, intro to a broader conversation. Yeah, I think you're of, right. Uh, I guess. I mean, there's there's several aspects to it. I think one is you know the the different the millennial tennis players now with um, how social media and like mental health and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, all that plays into, uh, and then the other aspect I think is you know have tennis players become more thin-skinned than right. they did in the past. Right. Because, um, I mean, you, you look at some of those old clips, of, like Jimmy Connors, like, jumping over the <sighs> net. And I think there's a video of someone, like, being chased around. I remember I remember there's a video of Jimmy Connors basically in McEnroe's face. Yeah. Like. Yeah. And you know they took it, fought each other, like, in the locker room. Exactly. Or, like, in the parking lot later right. on, you know. And, you know, and, and that's not a comment, you know, that's not even commentary <clears throat> on the Naomi Osaka situation. But um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, brief background, you know, she had announced at uh, Roland Garros that due to her mental health and the way she felt the media influenced the mental health of other professional athletes, she was not going to participate in post-match interviews. Um, 
And she decided that she was not going to do that role in Garros and that if she would be fined for that, she was okay with that. And I think she requested that those fines be forwarded to a mental health um, charity charity or cause. Whatever that is. And I think the real underlying question there is what duty do professional tennis players have to speak to the media if they even have one? Um, and then B, you know, does the media have a duty to respect the um, mental health of those athletes? I mean, number one, I will tell you from my perspective – um, I think they're humans first and tennis players second. If she's having a mental health issue, she has absolutely every right not to speak to somebody. Um, now, should there be a fine associated with that? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I guess the counter to that is she's a public figure and there's an expectation that comes with that. But, you know, I mean, she's just an amazing tennis player. She didn't sign up for the other stuff. Um, but I guess it goes along with the package. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's all good. She, like I said, I think she has a little bit of a unique situation where I, I think she might be one of the first tennis players that I can remember who has absolutely skyrocketed in terms of like overall popularity and, yeah. and worldwide fame and exposure. Yeah. But really doesn't have like this extrovert personality right. you know that comes along with it like right. I, I feel like you know if she had more of like this outgoing personality i, I remember when she first kind of came on uh the the scene when she kind of broke through with her talent she she beat someone at the u.s open and i think she kind of i think she might have blown like a 5-1 lead or something or, or one of i don't remember this was like a few years ago it's like right. 2017 or 2018 but she um came on and this was the first time i really saw her and i was like she's really good she's gonna be good right she's gonna be one of the best tennis players out there but then the post-match interview came out and she's very like quiet and mm -hmm. like reserved um, i don't know you know like yeah. i don't know and I was, it, it's kind of weird, but it, it didn't look right to me that like a tennis player who's on TV is speaking kind of very timidly and right. very like, so immediately, um, and then I think she might have a little bit of trauma from her first Grand Slam win. Oh my gosh. What an introduction. Which we all remember very well was yeah. uh, Serena getting the, I think she got up to a game penalty, right? Yeah. I think that's right. Rope point penalty or mm -hmm. game penalty. The infamous uh, I'm a mother mm -hmm. um, rant. Yeah. Um, and her first international mainstream success, Naomi, is booed yeah. by 20,000 people. Can you imagine? <laughs> for winning a tennis match. And being booed for something that had she had to do no with her. control over. Yeah. Had nothing she to do had with nothing her. Nothing to do with it. No, right. it was a hundred percent. It was between the umpire, Serena's coach, and I mean, people have opinions on what happened there right. or whatever. Right. But at the end of the day, Naomi was lifting a trophy in tears. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was getting booed, and Serena has to step in and be like, "Stop booing!" Her. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, like this is not good. So. You can imagine as someone who probably already has like a bunch of anxiety mm -hmm. and a bunch of, uh, you know, insecurities. Right. That's 
that's not good. No, not only that, and you know, and it circles back into the idea of millennial tennis players because, like we talked about, I mean, it, you, and I think you can see that in some of the commentary from older generation players that have made comments publicly about there's a sense that you know there's a duty to speak to the media that the media has done a lot to grow you know women's tennis, BGK. which I think, <laughs> yep, yeah, Billie Jean King made a um, a, a statement about that, and I I can understand that perspective for sure, but I think. It, it, it does underline the fact that millennial tennis players are different. They grew up with social media. A lot of them, you know, are more active on that platform that way than they are talking to news reporters. Um, and it just seems to be that I think the sport has been so used to your Roger Federer's who will sit there and give press conferences all day long in five different languages. And yeah, literally very yeah, literally and very comfortable doing so. Mm-hmm. But I mean, people forget, I mean, we play tennis as long as we have. I mean, the last thing you would want to do after losing a match is go talk to a bunch of people about you losing the match. I mean, I didn't want to hear my parents talk about me with no. me in the car ride no. home. I mean, no. let alone on the international stage with everyone staring at you. And then, you know, you, you train and you practice year round for these moments, these grand slam moments, and then you lose in front of the world. And then you're supposed to go sit in front of a bunch of cameras and talk about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my, that can't be fun. The only thing I would ever say after I'd lose a match was, that guy was a pusher. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> that right. Hooked, that guy he hooked me. He's a he treed. treed. He treed. He either hooked me, mm-hmm. he treed, or mm-hmm. he, um, by the way, for you guys that don't know what tree means, I think it's an outdated term now. It I don't might think be they a little use outdated. it anymore. I think that was like our generation. But I think it basically right. means that someone is playing at a level that is not expected of them. Right. They're playing out of their um, mind. Right. They're hitting lines, they're just going all out. Um, they either hooked me, they treed, no. or they pushed. Right. There's no never... other way to beat me. <laughs> That's right. I never lost the you match. You can't just be <laughs> you know? better than me. Exactly. Very rare. You know, I used to always remember those funny moments where, like, you know, you would they would hit an amazing shot. You'd be like, God, I'm awful. And you'd be like, good shot. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's hilarious to me how yeah. you always find ways as a tennis person. Maybe it's a survival mechanism with the sport. It's because coping. It is. It's a coping mechanism. You're I mean, I'm yourself. Oh my gosh. And even more funny with the whole cheating thing, and we've talked about this before too, but on the car ride home, you know, you're like, oh, she cheated, or he cheated me on this point. And then you think back about it, and it may have been three controversial points, and that's yeah. what broke the match for you. Right. I mean, come on. Oh, it wasn't because you double faulted yeah. 16 yeah. times. It wasn't the 45 the unforced errors that first set, you know right. what I mean? Um, but it is funny. But no, I, I do think millennial tennis players are different. I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think, well, frankly, it is different just the way the sport's played, period. I mean, everything's different about the sport than it sure. used to be. But certainly from the mental health media side of it, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was, in a sense, I would argue it was easier to be Billie Jean King as far, in the sense that if she had people that hated her, I mean, she wasn't looking at her Twitter feed all night with 400,000 comments about That's how crappy she a was. great point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, she might or have heard about it or people said about death it. death threats. Like, oh, man. Tennis yeah. players talk about how they get death threats because of like gambling and, and right. betting and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and don't get me wrong. I am not in any way diminishing the difficulty and struggles that Billie Jean King went through, both in being a right. female gay tennis player, trying to grow <laughs> the sport, and all the craziness that she had to go through with that. But from a social media standpoint, tennis players back then didn't have to deal with the constant feedback on the internet. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have, you know, I mean, it's just different that way. And you have all these keyboard warriors that can write anything they want to about people. Right. It's all anonymous. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I can't imagine sitting there in your, you know, hotel room after a tough final match, you get on your Twitter feed and 5,000 people that 
are fans of the your opponent are talking about how crappy you mm-hmm. were and thank God you lost and it's gotta be difficult. I can't imagine. Have you ever had to do media for tennis at all? You know what's funny? I guess it makes me feel good to say kind of. Uh, not really. Yeah. I mean, when we won state, um, we had a couple of newspapers talk to I us. I saw you on the news. I think, or no, I didn't see you. Did but you really? I, or, I don't. I think Wood TV or some, or one of the M Live or something like that. Had, Might have been M Live videos of the Elegant so. team. I think. You, I Did mean, I interviewed. I don't think you were interviewed. I yeah. think they. I mean, I saw you on TV. But yeah. No, I. You know, it's funny. I like the internet, I guess. But you know, it, it, it's actually it's funny fun. you say that, though. I mean, so I'm, I guess I've had a very, very, very minute exposure to it. But you are very careful about what you say. I mean, you try to be very, you know, non-controversial. What you say. I mean, what you want to say is, "Hell yeah, we won state." Yeah. You know, you can't. We're the best. Yeah, we're the best out there. We're number one. But you can't say that stuff. Screw I mean, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You know, those private schools. Yeah. Hey, you know, middle finger no, to them. No, no hate to DCD, but um, no. yeah. I mean, they're always good, so yeah, that's always, why we ever, hate them. <laughs> always, always, always. And no, I mean, there, there definitely is a... Uh, it's, it's definitely tricky. I mean, it's funny. I can't imagine having to do that on a daily... It's actually kind of exhausting to on yeah, a day-to-day yeah. basis to, to be so calculated in what you have to mm-hmm. say in a way to not be controversial, to not push somebody's button. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's tough. It's got to be tough. Well, and also, I think it's also exhausting answering the same questions oh my gosh. over... Can you like poor Venus Williams? Yeah. Every time, or I guess Federer at this point too. Every time it's a press conference. What are you thinking about hanging on up? Exactly. You know, and, and retiring. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And they have to be like, well, I'm not ready yet. Exactly. I think I'm still competing. And. I mean, can can I think of a? I can't think of a stupider question. And we've all heard it. it every time after every match. You know, like Grand Slam final, the loser they go, how do you feel about that? Well, what do you mean how do I feel about it? I just lost a Grand Slam yeah. final. I feel awful. I mean, is that even a question? Yeah. I mean, what I, a stupid... It's insane. What a stupid question. Well, and that's the thing, too, is the question, I think, also is, are those post-match media press conferences, are those even relevant anymore? No. Have you, have you watched one at all? Like, I'll, you watch, like, little clips or yeah. whatever on YouTube, but yeah. you've never sat there and watched, like, the full 30 you minutes don't. or however no. long they have to do Because I watched for. the match. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, I mean... Watch the match. Um, they do an on-court interview. Right. Which they ask... Which Naomi much, did. Which Naomi did. Right. Good for her, and she answered or whatever. Same questions, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you know, I, I just I just thought it was hilarious in the midst of, like, all that Osaka um, situation... I think I saw on Twitter a few few people post this, but like Coco, poor Coco Goff gets like a question about, you know, uh, saying something along the lines of like, oh, um, why do you think, I suppose you are always compared to Serena Williams because you're American and black and, oh, you know, a, a woman, but I suppose it's because you're good at tennis too. And it's like, those are the type of questions that make me be like, yeah, we... <laughs> We shouldn't have to do media. How, yeah. how does how does how do those types of questions, you know, progress the sport and make it more more yeah. popular? Well, you know, right. If I'm stuff, if right? I'm sitting there as Coco, I'm thinking I shouldn't even have to respond to that. It's such she a ridiculous did a great job question. Responding it, re- responding to it too. As far as far as I remember, her answer was something along the lines of like, um, "I'm not trying to be anybody. I'm just trying to be Coco." You right. Know, I, I, which is an awesome answer, that is, considering the fact yeah. that what she's like. 11 years old I you know. know she's so young <laughs> i mean to try to manage that at that age i can't even imagine yeah 
Yeah, and I think she has a she has a good. Uh, that's one thing with Coco that I, I really noticed right off the bat with her was that how mature she, she like, comes she, across she so very, unbelievably mature. She's very articulate, mm-hmm. very um, well spoken, very precise with her words. She can handle pressure very right, well. Right. Um, which, I mean, as we see. Not everybody can do, and not everybody's. I mean, I think about when I was sixteen. Oh my gosh, trying to navigate that and trying to. Oh yeah. I mean, I, there's yeah. no way I could have ever done that. Yeah, and she's getting like sponsorships, right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, oh. she really is a professional in every regard. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, kind of a side, not side, but relevant to it. But I, I, I've done a, a, a few media things. Have you really? A little bit, yeah college tennis or what? Uh, one few a couple in high school um because well, you know we did forget to say that in the intro you won state as a player three singles division three yeah oh i mean yeah. <laughs> my senior year i mean don't undermine it. it was it's impressive though i, I lost one game yeah um, at yeah. the state tournament right uh and uh, well we had like the our quote-unquote big three there were two yeah. other guys that guys i grew up with a really we tough a very good up. team we won state as a team as yeah. well right um and so we there were a few news articles about us and like the local paper and right. having to give interviews yeah for that i got like some athlete of the week thing so i got to do like a radio um, oh. interview oh cool it was actually like 10 minutes or something really like that. that's got, cool got it recorded um but one one thing that actually this is kind of funny uh, i think so at least but there were, I, I got chosen when I was in college as like the athlete highlight or something for our student athlete newspaper. of the week or something something like we that, did that in high yeah. school too yeah yeah at week month it was just like a highlight right like they, you get chosen and you get to get a newspaper article written about you mm-hmm. um, and I remember um, I had completely forgotten about it and I was like back in my dorm room after class and i was just like chilling and then all of a sudden like i remember i was like oh my god i need to go uh do this interview it was like at two o'clock this was already two fifteen. so i get up and i run sprint to the local cafe luckily it's a small campus so um it's right there <clears throat> i'm sprinting there and two of my friends are sitting on a bench um one was my old roommate they're both smoking uh, cigarettes mm. and uh inside joke with them i would like to make fun of them for smoking cigarettes it's yeah. like even though i don't really care but like right. um smoking cigarettes in there I, I would i started running up to them and i'm like oh my god i'm so cool smoking cigarette and as i'm mocking them right i uh slip on mud fall on my back you did a charlie and, brown exactly oh, and no. they they start laughing right by the uh, soccer field lacrosse girls are playing uh or practicing a few of them see it no dates with the lacrosse no dates with the lacrosse girls <laughs> no, no no it was great um and then i and i had to run and i show up to the interview like 20 minutes late and covered in mud yeah. <laughs> like wet and she's just like what happened to you <laughs> like uh yeah i fell and she's like okay great <laughs> and then it's funny because like the reading back the newspaper article it it sounded like i had won an oscar or something like right that because i was like just thanking everybody or yeah. like saying like i couldn't have been done this without this person and yeah that person. and then at the end of the day it's like oh you're playing like naia tennis for yeah. aquinas college it's Isn't not like funny? you didn't win anything it's like oh my big inspirations were <laughs> right well you know what's interesting though i mean 
it's funny. I guess I did have a ton of local media interaction. Yeah. As a coach, and it's I guess funny that's you say what that. I meant, and I, it's funny you say that though, because and it kind of ties in the Naomi, the Naomi thing again, because what I was able to do was send it. You know, they usually the, the paper would ask me for comments, and I was able to type an email. Mm-hmm. So I was able to form my thoughts mm-hmm. and opinions and hone it in and send an email with my thoughts, and those turned into quotes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't live. Like right. after a match where you have to be so right. calculated and think about it. I, I mean, and that kind of lent itself well to the millennial within me, right? I was able mm-hmm. to get on my computer, think about what I wanted to say, articulate it and shoot it off. And then those quotes made in the paper. It wasn't, you know, off the cuff. I'm sitting there and I don't say something stupid or say something out of place because it's not live. Right. And, you know, that's yeah. such an easier way to interact with the media. And I, that might be the direction it's going to go. Maybe, right? I mean, like you said, I guess what is the utility in us sitting there and interviewing these players right after? I mean, yeah. I, I guess you get some sort of... I mean, really, from my understanding, the only reason we do that is to get into the psyche of the player. What's your mind going through? Mm-hmm. I mean, although it's not horribly hard to imagine. I mean, like you said, you just lost. You feel like crap. I yeah. mean, Or you just won Wimbledon. How you, you feel, feel amazing. I feel so good. You right. Know, obviously. I won Wimbledon. I won a million dollars. and Right. Uh, you know, won one of the biggest trophies in the world. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't make any any sense to me what... Uh, and I think we, we get kind of that inner psyche already from players' personal social media now yeah. at this point. I mean, Naomi's very um, active She's on her social active, media platform, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And it goes to a deeper question. You know, do we expect too much from these players? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we expect them to be perfect, polished, articulate, um, always friendly, always kind, always willing to talk to the media. Well, you know what? Like everybody in the world, there are days I'm sure the last thing in the world you want to go do is talk to the media. Mm-hmm. They're human beings. I mean, they just want to... Yeah. I, I can totally about, sympathize. What about the idea that, that that's part of the job? And I mean, there's right. days where... I mean, it's pretty much every day, but like I go to work. I don't want to work. Right. You know? You got to do stuff you don't want to do type thing. And you just kind of suck it up and yeah. you, you, you do it. And, and that is adulthood. Um, it is. But, the, but there seems to be something so unique when it comes to mental health, in my opinion. You know, nobody knows what she's going through but her. And I feel like, although there certainly is an angle to look at the situation and say, listen, she has a job. That's part of the job. And you just kind of have to be an adult and do something you don't want to do. But when it comes to mental health, I mean, nobody knows what she's actually going through but her. And I would imagine, you know, if her stance is, this is so damaging to me to have to sit there and talk to the media about stuff, I feel like we as fans should appreciate that and appreciate what she's willing to give the sport on the court and back off when she's off the court. I mean, it's almost like saying, I mean, this is probably not a very good analogy, but it's kind of like saying, you know, when a performer's on stage, you know, we expect them to be what they are. And when they come off the stage, we expect them also to still be the performer, right? Like everything in the world, I mean, they should have their lives to themselves as well in certain arenas. And so when she's on the court, she's the tennis player. When she's off the court, she's just Naomi. Right. And we should respect that, you know. But I guess probably the, I guess the obvious response probably is, you know, the media would say, well, how do we keep our jobs then? <laughs> you know? Very true. There, I think, I mean, uh, it's it doesn't take a you know, genius or anything to realize that money is most likely the the reason why the underlying the underlying reason why the Grand Slams uh, responded the way they did. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of sponsorship deal with those yeah. interview. I mean, you have the logos of like Rolex and mm-hmm. 
I don't know, like BMW, Yonix and, yeah, all, Yonix stuff and all that stuff. By. Like, yeah, and I mean, it's her own sponsors, but mm-hmm. the Grand Slams themselves, you True. know, they've got some sort of sponsorship. And if the number two um, player in the world plus the highest paid female athlete right now in the world is like, I'm not doing this, then that means less eyes on the, those logos. And right. that I'm sure there's some sort of financial consequence to that. And they're like, well, we'll take it out of your paycheck then. Right. Um, the $15,000 or, or whatever they find. Is that how much they find her? 15? I want to say 1500, right? I, I think 1500 it, or 15,000. Oh, I, oh, I think it's 15,000. I, I, I think yeah. you're right about that. And I, I think it was, it was every time change. she wasn't going to talk to the media, right? It would have been yes. every post yeah. and match they, interview. They were going to decline. I think, um, threatened to suspend her from gra- other, other grand, grand slams. slams. Yeah. The grand slams, I believe were talking Jeez. amongst each other. Yeah. That's nuts. Which just seems so harsh. That's I mean, such does. a wild response. Because and, and here and here's why that seems so wild to me, and so, um, it, it just seems ridiculous. Is because again, what is she? She's a tennis player. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. she is not a twenty four seven media consultant. She's not a PR professional. She's a tennis player. So she's also not like an actress where you right. would think that that's her trade is, right. is being, you know, in front of cameras, in front of cameras and, and all that. Yeah. She's an athlete. She's an athlete. And why would you say to an athlete, we're not going to let you perform what you do mm-hmm. because you won't talk to the media. I mean, that seems so, um, absurd to me. Right. It and, does. And, and that's the thing too, is like, okay, you're suspending one of the most popular female athletes in the world right now from from your Grand Slam. Right. So you're you're saying you want less people to watch the actual matches because exactly. of some dumb interview. Well, you know, and that it doesn't make any sense at all. And it it's kind of really so insane. And it really does kind of undermine their own argument, right? The yes. argument is we want Naomi to talk to the media because she's an ambassador from the sport and it's important for people to hear from her. Right. So how, but we're going to take her so off we're the gonna court. Take her, yeah, <laughs> we're going to take her basically out of the Grand Slams. That makes zero sense. I mean, if she's an ambassador and she's going to influence people, it'd be on the tennis court. She's a tennis player. Exactly. You know, I mean, I think that that, that was not thought out well. I don't, I don't understand that side of it at all. Yeah. No, I, it, it, it just, it was a horrible situation on everyone's part, I think. Um, I mean, I think Naomi didn't, articulated particularly well but again that's not really her problem yeah. i guess she did as best she could and then her sister came one on reddit yeah i know I, I, that was i didn't follow that a ton but i knew that was a thing she had some wacky posts that was almost wackier than like naomi's posts really what it say it was something along the lines of like oh naomi sucks at articulating things so let me screw this up even more <laughs> oh really she oh she was speaking for naomi yeah yeah uh-huh. she was trying to like explain like why naomi and then it's interesting how verbiage also, like there's certain hot words. And I think when Naomi straight up said depression. Oh, that kind of threw people for a ev- loop. Everyone like backtracked like, yeah. for, from criticizing yeah. her. Because I think depression now is becoming so like mainstream right. and, and relevant. And I think like to a certain extent, so many people suffer from it that, that yeah. they they can empathize with her. You know, but that goes back feelings. to my point, though. Nobody knows what she's going through. Exactly. So I think some people want to jump on the wagon that says, oh, she's just, you know, snooty, doesn't want to follow the rules, doesn't want to talk to the media. Well, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup. But you don't actually know what's going on in her life. And, sure. I mean, if she's truly depressed, I mean, and having known people that have struggled with depression, 
I mean, you don't want to do anything and you certainly don't want to get in front of a bunch of people yeah. and have to talk and have to explain and have right. to, I mean, that's the last well, thing you, you want to do. you have to turn on the, the smiles. You right. Know, it's, and yeah. You have to be, to be a person happy, you're not, yeah, right? you have to be who, what you're not feeling in the I, moment. I kind of liked the idea. I heard this a lot on, or I saw this a lot on Twitter of her pulling a Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if you ever saw that video. I don't think I did. You know, Marshawn Lynch, the uh, NFL player player yes running back for i think he played for the seahawks yes. for a while yep. beast, beast mode right um but he had a he had a day where he did not want to talk to the media i think he got like thrown out of a game or I something i do vaguely remember that he shows up every question um every answer was uh i'm just here so i don't get fined you know I'm just here so i don't get fined. <laughs> i do now, you, now that you say that i do yeah. kind of remember that i, I was do. just like that's perfect yeah and uh but but i think that kind of just shows how the extent of maybe how depressed she actually is right is that she literally just can't physically appear and, and pull you know a marshawn lynch i'm right. sure i'm sure that that thought crossed her head where I'm she's sure. like i can just show up and but um i think that kind of reflects a little bit on the type of person she is is that she's um she's not going to you know uh skirt the rules necessarily i yeah. think you know or, or be cheeky with it i think she's yeah. just more like i i just don't want to do it you know, you know it, i mean it, it it is always that tension we have in society and it kind of says something about society you know it's the duty and obligation versus the self-care and for some reason i mean we deal with that on a daily basis as with our jobs I oh think, for sure you know? <laughs> i mean that is true right yeah. i mean yeah i mean I, I guess everybody does to a sense in their own lives deal with that natural tension your duties and your obligations versus what you want to do in your self-care. But for whatever reason, people seem to jump so quickly when somebody says that they need something for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's an American thing. Is that an American it, society I thing? I think it's a American culture thing. Yeah. Like, it, it's kind of funny. I always think of it as a very Midwestern thing. You think so? It's like, you know, the pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. you know, deal with it. Don't ask for help. You you know. You know my my parents were kind of like that too. I mean, we're uh, for those of you who don't know, but I'm I'm very Ru- or born in Russia, but I was like a year when we moved here. But I, I, that was pretty pretty characteristic. Of my but parents for all too. intents and purposes, yeah. you grew up in a very Russian household, right? I yeah. mean, you guys are obviously American, but I mean, spoke Russian, everything, right? Right, right. But I'm just saying that um, even though I just literally said I think it's an American thing, like I guess my parents were kind of like that but maybe, maybe a better yeah. maybe it's better to articulate as a generational thing maybe that's true you know that's probably because my parents were like accurate. that too in in, yeah. in certain ways it was kind of like you were expected to handle your own stuff mm-hmm. figure it out you know yeah everyone's got their own or, problems or my uh my parents um i'm sorry if you're listening but um you would they would always say like um why are you so sad you know or like why are you upset like did something really bad happen? Like, the, was something really that bad? You right, know, or like, right. think about the starving kids in Africa, or, or you know, the the comparison, right? The comparison thing. It's like, well, yeah, I, you know, obviously my situation is much better yeah. than those right. less fortunate, but at the same time, like, I still don't feel good. Yeah, <laughs> see, it, it, it is kind of funny, right? You do have that natural tendency, and like I said, maybe it's because the older generation raises. I don't know, but you do have that natural tendency to say. 
I don't feel good, but is that me being a whiny baby? Because mm-hmm. some so many people have it worse off than me. Right. But like you said, it doesn't invalidate the way you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You still feel. And again, I think there are a lot of people out there on social media, and I'm sure there are posts that say, "What can what's Naomi complaining about? She makes millions. She made she fifty has spons- million dollars. She's the highest paid female professional athlete. Mm-hmm. What is she whining about? Okay, all true." That doesn't invalidate that she feels really right. bad right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah. her net worth has nothing to do with her internal feeling and, exactly. and mental health struggle. But but you are right, though. I mean, that is kind of the way society tends to make you view things. You know, is it that bad? I mean, suck it up, buttercup, you know? and mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you saw, but I think the what triggered, I think this might have been what Mari, uh, Naomi's sister, said. If I'm not mistaken, but I believe a relative of Naomi's made a comment about how bad she is on clay court. Really? And that kind of triggered her to be like, I guess I don't want to do media at the French Open because everyone's just going to talk about how bad I am on clay. Mm. That's going to get in my head. Right. So I didn't know that. I, I think that was an element. To, I, I I know that was an element. I just can't remember if Naomi said that or if uh, I think it was. I think it was her sister that said it in the Reddit post. Boy, if Naomi's bad at clay, what does that make me? Uh, well, I guess we have to play on clay first to, to know. <laughs> oh my gosh! It. You know, I guess I didn't know that. Um, I didn't. And, know and that. it's just interesting that something so seemingly offhand and trivial that like a family member comment yeah uh i don't know man uh, to me that that se- that makes it more real because you know you can kind of i think train yourself to maybe um obviously when this show gets like millions of views i'm sure we're gonna <laughs> By get tomorrow tro- trolls and you know <laughs> we might get trolls now but <laughs> probably yeah um, but i, I feel like we would know those trolls <laughs> <laughs> yeah so don't troll us that's right um but you can kind of like block have some ways to block out those trolls you know yeah. you can turn off your notifications you can just not look at your social media yeah. and all that kind of stuff but yeah. if it's like a family member like you can't block that out it's someone close to you and they, they make a comment like that to you you know what's amazing to me though i've always been amazed by people that have enough energy and a boring enough life to feel the need to get on the internet <laughs> open up a social media account comment on a professional athlete celebrities whatever and say some disgusting thing. Yeah. I mean, you have that Pretty much nuts. energy to bring that much hatred in the world. I mean, I frankly just don't have time to be that hateful. Right. I mean, it's just insane to me. Yeah. You know? It's it's crazy. Um, we should probably wrap wrap this one up. This one's hitting about 45 minutes now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any, any final thoughts on Naomi? Uh, my only thought um, would be that I hope the Grand Slams... Um, try to in some way view the situation and um, consider the athlete's mental health perspective and find some sort of middle ground in which we can interact with the athletes and also respect their their mental health or else we're just going to push really important people in our sport away. And I, I think I just hope that that's, that's something they can figure out. I agree. Go Naomi. You got this. We'll see her at Wimbledon, hopefully. Hopefully, right? yeah. That's, that's, my fingers are crossed for that. Yeah, because she is fun to watch. She she's, is. She's a great player. She's a, a tremendous player. Um, so, yeah, for sure. All right, well, that, I think, wraps up the first episode of Live Ball. And thank you for listening, if you did. And hopefully we can 
get this out there. Um, uh, we we would also like to make this pretty interactive, I think. Yeah, so if for you sure. are listening, um, if there's a way to leave comments and stuff, maybe we'll set up an email. Right. You send um, questions or send in questions, topic send in topics, things. send in thoughts. Um, go ahead and troll us, honestly, because I feel like that actually would make me feel good because people are at least someone's listening. actually listening. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. We're going to put out a bunch of episodes, I think right off the bat. So plenty to listen to and, um, plenty of things to start trolling us on. So thanks for listening guys. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time on uh, live ball.